Good morning. It's good to be with you in worship. It's good to connect with those of you who are online. Uh, it is it's a good day. It's a good, good weekend. Um, yesterday, we were here uh, for our final prayer service and our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it was just a, a phenomenal time together. Um, as I just reflect on the weekend of, of what God's been doing already uh, yesterday and in our first service and, and just kind of personally, um, it's kind of been a, a special weekend. Um, Melanie and I yesterday celebrated our uh, 22nd anniversary. Um, and so 22 years ago yesterday, uh, two 22-year-olds got married. And so this year we have been married as long as you know we were alive before we got married. And so it's just kind of a, a big thing. And uh, the greatest gift that God has ever given to me um, has been Melanie and the blessing that she's been um, and then we were just talking this morning uh, that this Sunday is actually the, the anniversary of when I came here nine years ago. And Melanie and I were just saying, what a blessing it's been for us to be here and that God called us here nine years ago. And, and this church has done as much in growing me and helping me move from where I was to where God wants me to be as much as God's been able to use me to be a part of, of helping our church move forward. And it just a, I love being a part of a church like this and a, a blessing to, to be in community with you. And uh, so it, it's, it's been a special weekend for a lot of reasons. Um, I'm grateful to see all of you here. Uh, some of you were here this week and wanted to be here last week and weren't able to be. Uh, and so you were online. And uh, we're thankful for those of you who are able to be with us online. We're thankful for this technology that keeps us connected and uh, what a blessing it is to be able to connect with you uh, online. If you are in the room and you didn't get paper notes and you want some paper notes, uh, this is going to be one of those Sundays where you, you're going to want to take some notes, all right? And so if you slip your hand up, we've got some auditorium hosts that'll bring you some notes. If you're online, you can scan that QR code or if you're here in the room, you can scan that QR code if you want to follow along digitally in version. Um, and the first note is kind of one of those notes that some of you are going to like, you know, be upset with me. I just know how this goes. All right. Because no matter who I name here in a moment for this first blank in your notes, some of you are going to be like, well, that's not my guy. All right. And, and I just want you to don't get distracted by that. Okay. Um, whether it's your guy or not, I, I just want you to, this is an illustration and don't let that sidetrack you from all that God wants to do in your heart this morning. And so uh, one of the greatest football players who has ever lived, if you Google greatest football players in history, you will discover is Jerry Rice. Now, I know some of you wanted me to say Tom Brady. All right, I get that. Um, and it goes back and forth. Uh, you'll find some sites say Tom Brady, some sites say Jerry Rice, uh, but you will always find Jerry Rice in the top three at the very least. Um, and I checked a whole bunch of sites because I knew you were gonna fact check me on this. Um, but Jerry Rice, let me just give you a few numbers. Uh, and again, this is just an illustration. We're in this uh, game plan for life series. We're trying to say, how can we be successful uh, in life? We, we don't wanna just be winners in a sport. We don't wanna just be winners uh, in, in some areas. We, we wanna win in life and so, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the importance of having a game plan. Last week, we talked about what would it look like for us to write out our life's mission. 
What is that life's mission? I hope you did your homework. I hope that you took some time to do that. If you didn't, you can still work on that. But I think it's really important. And today what I want us to talk about is how do we train so that we can have a successful life mission? And so Jerry Rice is a good illustration of this. Yards uh, that he actually accomplished in his uh, career. He, he averaged about 20 over 20 year period, 1,445 yards per year. And so it came out to almost 23,000 yards in his career. And the, the number two, the, the second place person uh, that ever had these yards was uh, Terrell Owens, and he was just under 1,600 yards. And so uh, when it comes to just yards accomplished, Jerry Rice is at the very top. But then when you think about receptions, he, in his career, had 1,549 receptions uh, in his career. Uh, the, the number two receiver had 1,325 receptions. When it came to touchdowns, uh, Jerry Rice, 208 touchdowns in his career. The number two was only 175 touchdowns. And so uh, when you just every category... In any position, Jerry Rice has just been a dominant player. Now, again, depending on where you look and depending on uh, what you talk about, you know, you, you could say some of the same things about Tom Brady and how Tom Brady is just the greatest player ever. And, uh, and again, it goes, it goes back and forth. But the point is, whether it's Tom Brady or whether it's Jerry Rice that you're talking about, uh, anytime you see a football player that's amazing on the field, what you'll find is somebody who had an amazing training regime off the field. So I just want to give you some insights into Jerry Rice's training. Um, and again, this is going somewhere. Uh, this is setting us up because we need to train if we're going to be the kind of people that we want to be. Jerry Rice <clears throat> spent every morning doing two hours of cardio. And he did it... <clears throat> Hold. <clears throat> Okay, let's try that again. He did it uh, primarily on this uh, five-mile up-and-down hill section that was just called The Hill. Uh, and, and he would run this every morning for about two hours. And not only uh, did he, he run this uh, particularly section, but when he would get to the steepest part of the hill, he would run a series of 40-yard dashes uh, up and down uh, th this really steep section of this area. And then every afternoon, he would devote himself to strength training. And whether it was lower body or whether it was upper body, he had the same routine and the same workout. He would do 21 separate exercises, three sets of 10 for each exercise, totaling 630 reps of some area of muscle every single day six days a week. And, and he did this his entire career. Now, here's the thing. This was during the off season. This was Jerry Rice's workout in the off season, not in the peak of the, of the football season. And so you, you see a picture of Jerry Rice who was amazing on the field. And I, I, in fact, I had some clips I wanted to show you, but I just didn't have time. So you should just Google Jerry Rice's you know, 100 best touchdowns or 100 best receptions. I'm telling you, it's worth, don't do it right now in church, but do it later. All right. Some of you are like pulling out your phones, like just do it later, but it's worth watching. Um, and I, I'm just telling you, he was amazing on the field, 
because of what he did off the field. He was amazing in the game because of what he did during the practice. And so as we think about our life mission, and as you maybe finished writing it and has continued to work on it, and for those of you who said, well, I got something on paper and I I feel like I know what what God is calling me to. It's a a life mission based on God's word, not just a life mission based on kind of what I think, but but, you know, in, in light of God's word, this is what I believe God's calling me to for my life mission. As you do that, the question is, how can we train so that we're effective in actually accomplishing the life mission? It's one thing to have a life mission. It's another thing to actually be able to do it. And we're never going to be able to do it unless we train in a way that will help us accomplish the life mission that God has called us to. And so as we think about people who have lived perfect lives... It's a super short list, and you're not on it, um, and I'm not on it, you know, and your spouse is like elbowing you if you have your spouse here next to you saying, yeah, you're not on it, honey. Um, you know, that it's, you know, it is a short list. It's, it's one person. Jesus is the only person who has ever lived a perfect life and perfectly lived out the life mission that God had for him. And so as we think about how can we train for our life mission, I think it's really important for us to look at the life of Jesus and and discover how did Jesus train so that he was amazing on game day, right? Now, we're not going to walk on water. We're probably not going to feed 5,000 people with some loaves and fishes. We're we're probably not going to do the things that Jesus did, but we still, every one of us, have a life mission that God has called us to. And as we prepare for the life mission God has called us to, how can we train in the way that Jesus trained? And I would suggest to us this morning that if we train the way Jesus trained, we'll be successful in accomplishing the life mission that God has called us to. And, And here's, I just want to point this out to us. Because I think this is a, um, something that a lot of us believe that's just not right. A lot of us believe that we can just grow more spiritually mature the older we get. And that's not how this works. So it, it really doesn't matter whether you accepted Christ yesterday and, and began to follow Jesus yesterday... It doesn't matter whether you decided to follow Jesus 10 years ago or whether you decided to follow Jesus 50 years ago. Time in does not equate to spiritual growth and spiritual maturity and an abundance of the spiritual fruit in our life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It doesn't equate in time. What it equates to is the training that we put in. This is why you can find people that have been walking with Jesus for 20 and 30 years and you look at their lives and you go, I don't think Jesus would do that. You know, I, you know, I don't, um, you know, that they, they don't really exemplify the characteristics of Christ, even though they've been going to church and they've been following Jesus for maybe a long, long time. And then you'll find other people that maybe have been following Jesus for a very short time and, and they're just exuding all kinds of characteristics of Christ-likeness. And, and they're, they're growing and they're very spiritually mature because it's not about time in. It's about training invested. It's about all the, the, the time that we're allowing God to work in us. And so to become like Jesus, we've got to train like Jesus is what this is all about. And so in, uh, in Matthew chapter 3, we see a picture of the first thing. So if you're taking notes, you can just write this first one down. 
that Jesus was baptized. Jesus was baptized. And so if, if you are a new believer, and if you've recently received Christ, uh, then you just need to know that your first step, according to Scripture, is to be baptized. It, it is the, the first thing that you need to do uh, to publicly profess what Christ has done on the inside. And if you have been following Jesus for a long time and you've never taken that step, you need to know that it's still an important step to take, to, to be baptized and publicly profess what Jesus has done on the inside. Jesus modeled this for us. Jesus was baptized himself. We see in Matthew 3, 13 to 15, it says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And so we see Jesus modeling for us this important spiritual step that we need to take ourselves. And it's, it's publicly professing God's work on the inside. And I think a lot of people uh, put off baptism. I think a lot of people hesitate on baptism because they, uh, one of two reasons. Number one, if, if you're a new follower of Jesus, you think to yourself, well, I don't get baptized yet because I don't have it all together. Well, newsflash, nobody in this room has it all together. Uh, there's none, none of us here, look around, the person you think has it most together, they don't. They would tell you they don't have it together. Uh, we're all in this work of God's grace in our life of moving from where we are to where God wants us to be. And, and, and we're never going to have it all perfect. And so if you wait and say, well, I'll get baptized when I have it all together, you'll never get baptized because you'll never have it all together. There, there's always going to be movement and growth that needs to happen in your life. I think there's others of us that we became a follower of Jesus maybe a long time ago, and then we get to this place where we're like, well, it's too late. I mean, I, you know, if I get baptized now, people are going to think I just gave my life to you know, the Lord. And it's like, I got, you know, I got saved a long time ago, but there wasn't an opportunity. There wasn't a chance. And so because of that, we, we then don't take the step of obedience. And I would just say it's an important step of obedience. And so we have baptisms at the end of every month. We schedule them for the end of every month. We do that because we think it's important to keep it on the calendar. And I would just encourage you. Um, that whenever you want to be baptized, if, if you were to come to us on the first Sunday of the month and say, I want to be baptized next Sunday, we'll make it happen. Like, we're, we're not going to put you off and say, well, you know, there's another one scheduled. And, you know, no, we schedule them because we think it's important to keep it in front of our church. But if you want to be baptized, let us know. We want to help you take that spiritual step because it's an important spiritual step. There are communication cards in the seat backs in front of you. There's a QR code that you could scan. Um, and and any, either one of those will help you. Uh, just let us know. I want to be baptized. We'll be in contact with you. We want you to take that spiritual step. So the second thing is Jesus fasted. Now, we just uh, ended a 21 days of prayer and fasting because we as a church want to keep fasting in front of us. And, and we just came out of that season. But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. How many of you are thankful that we do 21 days of prayer and fasting and not 40 days of prayer and fasting? Um, you know, but Jesus became very hungry. I think this is important because some of us want to do the fast light. 
Some of us want to do the like broccoli, you know, and cauliflower fast. And, you know, you don't really even notice that you're fasting uh, because that was food you hated in the first place. But when Jesus fasted, he fasted in a way that he became very hungry. And, and it was a disconnecting from the physical world so that he could connect with the spiritual world in a greater way. So here's, I just want to say this. I know we just came out of a season of prayer and fasting and and I know that all of you were a part of that, and all of you diligently participated in that. Um, this is a little bit of my sarcasm coming out, because I know there's probably a couple of you that didn't. And, and that's okay. It's not too late. I just want to encourage you, whether you were a part of our corporate fast or not, it's not too late for you to jump in. And if you were a part of the corporate fast, I, I want you to understand it's not about saying, because the church does it in January and August every year, I'll participate in those 21 days. It's about saying this is an important spiritual discipline that we need to add into the routine of our spiritual lives. And so I just want to encourage you to consider maybe fasting a meal every week. Maybe consider fasting for, for a full day or for a few days every month. But build in a spiritual routine where you regularly disconnect from the physical world so that you can connect in a greater way to the spiritual world. And that is an important discipline. Jesus did this because Jesus understood that it would impact his ability on game day, if you will. Jesus did this as a part of his spiritual training because he understood he needed this. And if Jesus needed it, how much more do we need this in our lives? So participate in fasting. If this is new to you, if you don't know anything about fasting and you're like, what is he talking about? You should go to our website, crossbridgenaz.org, and there's a prayer and fasting page, lots of resources, lots of material to help you have a greater knowledge of this spiritual discipline that Jesus modeled for us. And then the third is this, Jesus prayed. Matthew chapter 14, 23 says this, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray and night fell while he was there alone. So he was praying at night. And some of you uh, who are like me, night people, raise your hand if you're a night person. You're not a morning person. All right, the, Jesus prayed at night. Hey, that's good, right? You don't, some of you are like, oh, thank you. Freedom to pray at night. Uh, but then in Mark chapter 1, 35, it says this, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. So how many of you morning people that like to get up before the sun comes up? What's wrong with you? All right. What's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. Um, so my, my military days scarred me of wanting to get up before the sun's up ever again. But, um, you know, that Jesus modeled for us prayer early in the morning and he modeled for us prayer in the evening. And so it's not about saying one or the other is right or wrong. It's about saying we just need to pray. I shared this yesterday in the prayer service. Um, but here's, here's the thing. Uh, Richard Foster, in his book, uh, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, said this. He said, we learn to pray by praying. We learn to pray by praying. I think there's a lot of us that say, I'm not good at prayer. So therefore, we don't pray. Well, I don't know how to pray, so therefore, I don't pray. And the thing is, you're never going to get good at prayer until you start praying. The only way to develop a prayer life is to pray. It's just the only way you can do it. And so it's, it's like this. Um, so many of us, 
have this mentality, um, and we understand how foolish this is when it comes to um, other areas of our life, but we somehow don't make the connection in our spiritual life. But it's like sitting on the couch and saying, I want to become a great runner. So subscribing to Runner's Magazine and then getting Runner's Magazine every month and diligently reading through Runner's Magazine. And some of us, we treat you know, Bible studies and, and so I need to hear a good sermon on prayer. And I need to, I need to you know, see a good Bible study on prayer. And if only I could get that devotional on prayer, then I would be a good prayer. I need to read a better book on prayer. It's like sitting on your couch and reading Runner's Magazine. And, and you just sit there on your couch and you're like, I'm going to be a great runner. So and the way to become a great runner is reading Runner's Magazine. No. Yes, will Runner's Magazine help you? But the way to become a great runner is what? Running. You, you got to get off the couch and you got to go start running. And when you start running, you're going to stink at it. You're going to be terrible at it and it's going to be hard. And, and you're going to, you know, do it very in little short stints because it's just a really hard thing to do. It's awful. I could talk more about how awful it is if you want me to. I could just, um, so, but... Prayers like this, you're, you're probably not going to be good at it. You're not going to sit down and pray for hours. You're going to have shorter stints, and it's going to feel awkward, and you're going to be theologically wrong, and you're going to say stuff that later you'll look back and you'll cringe. But Jesus doesn't care about any of that. What God wants from us is relationship. And it's like when our little kids come to us and they talk to us, and and they, they ask silly questions and they, they do certain things that are just, you know, kind of funny to us. But we love it because we want to be in relationship with them. And so the best way to grow at prayer is praying. So I just encourage you, uh, coming out of this season of prayer and fasting, if, if prayer hasn't grown in your life, start. And just begin to set aside some time and say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to make this time that I set aside in the morning or in the evening or whenever to really spend time with the Lord in prayer. And I'm going to grow in my prayer life. Jesus prayed, and we need to do that. All right, number four. Jesus gathered with others for worship. Jesus gathered with others for worship. Luke 4, 16, the beginning of this says this. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home. I love this next line because it just kind of throws it out there as like, of course, kind of like, yeah. I mean, it, it just kind of as an afterthought almost. He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath. It was, just, it was just as usual. Of course, Jesus went to the Sabbath. Jesus worshiped. He gathered with others to study God's word and to spend time in prayer and to corporately worship together. And so um, if Jesus, God in flesh, understood the importance and the value of regularly gathering together for worship, why wouldn't we? And I know you're like saying, well, why are you preaching to us? We're here. I'm watching online. You're pre this is classic preaching to the choir. But here's what I know. Um, if a football player like Jerry Rice would say, you know, I'm going to hit the gym once a month. Um, and then I'm going to be everything I need to be to be the football player that I want to be. We would say, you know, hey, Jerry, that's, that's not going to work out for you. You know, if, if a football player said, you know, every other week I'm going to go to the gym, uh, it, it wouldn't play out. And our American culture is very rapidly moving to this mentality and this acceptance of worship and corporate worship and particularly once a month or once every other week is kind of the goal and the target. And and I would just say to you, no football player would ever win in football if they only did the basic training exercises of hitting the gym once a month or twice a month. 
And in the same way, we have got to prioritize corporate worship to say, I'm going to be a part of corporate worship every single week. That it just needs to be as usual. That that is how we live. And with our online presence, there is no reason why you can't say in 2022, I'm going to have perfect attendance in worship. That I'm never going to miss a Sunday. I'm either going to be here in corporate worship and there is something unique and better. And for those of us who have either had COVID or been quarantined or something going on and you've been watching on a screen and through technology and then you're able to be back in the room, we just know that there's something special and different and better about being together corporately. But in the absence of being able to do that, I know there are many of you who have to be online right now. And, and I would just say, whether you are here or whether you're online, you can just say, I'm going to make it a priority to be in worship and, and corporately worship in some way every single week. You can make that a decision and you can make that a priority. So Jesus gathered with others. Number five, I'll go through these uh, last two quickly. Number five, Jesus served others. Whether you look at the way he washed the disciples' feet, the way he met the needs of the crowd, if, if you um, just read through the Gospels and you see how Jesus was always prioritizing the needs of others, always caring for others, always trying to find out how to serve others, all the way to the cross when he laid down his life for our sins so that we could be forgiven, Jesus served others. And then finally, number six, Jesus read Scripture Jesus was familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. The reason we see that, just one passage, the rest of that passage that we just looked at, says when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And, and this is what you need to know. Um, this was before we had a table of contents, okay? So, like, you know, it wasn't like Isaiah. Uh, let's see, page, you know. Uh, there, was, there was no table of contents that, you know, there was no markers where he could, you know, mark it in his Bible and, you know, just flip there really good, you know. Um, he, he was handed a scroll of Isaiah that was probably a 40-foot-long scroll, and Jesus was handed that scroll, and he was able to open that scroll and roll to the exact place that he wanted to read. He was familiar enough with the book of Isaiah. He had read the book of Isaiah enough, that the scrolls of Isaiah, that he knew exactly where to go and exactly what to read. And I would just say there, there was something about Jesus that he prioritized understanding, knowing, and familiarizing himself with God's word. And as we think about all of these things, um, I, I think about this passage in 1 Timothy. And I just want to read this to us. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 to 8, actually 7 through 10, it says this, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Think about that phrase. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God 
who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. So Paul makes it clear to be formed into the likeness of Christ, to be shaped into the image of Jesus. If you're, you're never going to be perfect, and I'll never be perfect. We're, we're never going to be exactly like Jesus this side of heaven. But our goal every single morning is to say, Lord, will you form me more into the image of Christ? Will, will you help me today live more like Jesus? Will you change my heart and, and shape my mind? And, and, and will you help me be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? That, that's our goal every single day. And, and in order to do that, we've got to spiritually train. If we want to be spiritually fit, we've got to spiritually train, Paul would say to us. And it's not enough to try to be like Jesus. We've got to train to be like Jesus. That's what Paul's saying, that we need to train ourselves for godliness. He would say, if you go to the gym, that's great. Going to the gym is good. It'll help you have a better physical life now. But your physical life is a very short shelf life in the span of eternity. But spiritual training is forever. It matters for the rest of your life. Um, I don't don't know if you've noticed this, but have you ever drifted to something really good in your life? Think about this. Do you drift into physical health? Do you just kind of coast your way into physical health? Is that how that works? No. Like if you want to be physically healthy, you've got to eat right foods and you've got to exercise. You've got to do certain things to be physically. Nobody drifts into physical health. People don't drift into amazing marriages. Did you know that? People don't drift into amazing friendships. You have to invest in that marriage. You have to invest in those friendships to have great friendships. Nobody ever drifts into a successful career. If you want to be successful in any, any path, um, you don't drift to that. You, as I think about this, everywhere we drift, it's always bad places. We always drift into like the difficult places and everything that is, is really good and productive in our lives, we have to work at. There, there's things that we have to do. And so in the same way, if we want to grow spiritually, if we want to become more like Jesus, if we want to be successful at a life mission that God has given us, we've got to train towards that thing. And so I know I've listed um, a lot of things that Jesus did. And and I would just encourage you, all of those are good. All of those are important. But I want to just focus in and I want to challenge us to to really in the rest of this message and the little time that we have left, drill on one of these things. And that is scripture reading. And that is an understanding of scripture and a knowledge of scripture and, and building this habit, this discipline of spiritual um, growth that comes from reading God's Word uh, into our lives. And so um, for the next 21 days, here's what I want to encourage us to do. We just came out of a 21 days of prayer and fasting. For the next, and some of you are like, we don't get a break. No, we're going to go right into another 21 of something, okay? Uh, and here's the thing. If, if you're already reading the Bible every day, nothing's changing for you. Or maybe the last 21 days of prayer and fasting, you started reading the Bible every day. Great, keep going. So for those of you uh, who are reading the Bible, I just want to encourage you, keep it up. And I, I want to say for the next 21 days, 
Let's read together the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John has 21 chapters, and and some of you possibly uh, started that even in our 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. If you did, jump into another book and just keep reading. But if you weren't a part of that, then for the next 21 days, I want to encourage you, starting today, to read one chapter of the Gospel of John. And every day commit to reading one chapter of the Gospel of John. So this isn't a five-hour workout, okay? This isn't a Jerry Rice run up and down, you know, the hill and then do 600 and something reps of some exercise. This is just getting you started. This is 1% of your day, maybe 15 minutes of your day saying, I'm going to set aside time to read in God's word every single day. And I just, you know, for those of you who are doing it, keep it up. For those of you who maybe at one point you had this discipline in your life and you just got busy and maybe there was just circumstances that happened and we'll just blame it on COVID. You know, that's always good. Um, what happened? COVID, you know, this seems really good to blame it on that. But something happened and just distracted you. Just pick it back up. Starting today, let's just say, hey, we're going to read in scripture every day. We're going to build this in. And so uh, for the next 21 days, let's read together. And if you've never read in the Bible, I just want to encourage you uh, to pick it up and begin with us. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, even if you're somebody who's just exploring faith, I believe that for those of us who have been reading it for a long time, those of us who maybe got sidetracked and need to restart, and those who have never read it before and maybe aren't even a follower of Jesus If we will read scripture every day, God will do something in our hearts new. He will speak to us and he will change us because that's what happens when we read in God's word. So um, here's here's what I want to do very fast because I know what time it is. Um, I want to give you three questions to ask while you read in scripture, okay? So I, I want to just give us these three questions um, and then three tools that will help. And I'll just give you a heads up. The first one is the longest. And so if you go, oh, we're, you know, this is, he's going to spend this much time on all three. No, I'm going to spend a lot of time on the first one. Then when the next two are quick. All right. So hang with me. All right, we're almost there. Um, so the first one is this. I want you to ask the question as you read, what does this mean? And I purposely scratch through to me because Frankly, it doesn't matter what it means to you, and it doesn't matter what it means to me. What it really matters is what does it mean? And so what I mean by that is um, I think sometimes when we read Scripture, it's all about, well, what does this mean to me? And we want to personalize it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you personalize it past the truth of what it's really trying to say, um, then you've, you've missed some points here. In any kind of good communication, it's not about me hearing what I want to hear. It's me hearing what the person communicating to me wants to say. Does that make sense? And so I'm just saying, let's do for God what we do with everyone else in common courtesy, that we say, God, what is it that you really want to say, not what do I want to hear? If you did this with any other form, if you were driving down a one-way street and you got pulled over by an officer and he said, hey, you're on a one-way street. And you went, yeah, I know I'm on a one-way street. And the officer said, but you're going the wrong way. And he went, yeah, but I felt like this would be the way it should go. How's that going to work out for you, right? Um, not good. Um, if, if you are a kid and your parent tells you to go clean your room and you go, I feel like it's clean. It really doesn't matter what you feel like. What, what matters at that moment is what the parent would define as clean and how they feel in that moment, right? Um, if, uh, if there's a math teacher, and uh, math teacher's in the house, yeah, 
Sorry. Uh, if there's a math teacher um, and the math teacher is talking to elementary kids and they say, okay, we have a, you know, there's the number three over here and there's the number three over here. Three plus three equals, and the kid says, I feel like it should be five. Well, it really doesn't matter what you feel like at that moment. What matters is the answer is six, right? At three plus three is always going to be six. And so what we want to do is we're reading scripture and say, God, what is it that you mean? What are you trying to teach? What, what is it that you're communicating in this moment? Um, and the tool that I want to encourage you to do is just write this down. Uh, use a translation you can understand. Use a translation that you can understand. Um, and maybe put like a slash study Bible next to that. So, um, and, and here's, here's the thing. Um, if you... If you are reading a Bible that you're not getting a lot out of, the entire Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek. There's some Aramaic in there, but mostly Hebrew and Greek. So every English translation is a translation from Hebrew or Greek. And if you're reading a translation that you're just kind of like, I don't get this, it, it doesn't sound like I talk, then I would say read a translation you can understand in your notes um, and, and online even, for those of you who scan that QR code, um, I, I actually recommended some translations to you. There's the New Living Translation, which we use here on Sunday. Um, it's, it's a really accurate to the Hebrew and Greek, and it's easy to read. And the other thing is, is it translates dates and, and money. And so I don't know when the fourth moon festival of blah, blah, blah was, but I know when October 17th is. And so the scholars take the fourth moon festival and they translate it into October 17th. And Brad Fink likes that. Um, uh, you know, we don't know that a talent was a form of money in the Bible, but most of us don't know how much money a talent was. And so the New Living Translation translates that into a actual today's equivalent money. And Brad Fink likes that. It keeps the cookies on the low shelf for me. And, I, and, and it's still very easy to understand and accurate to the Hebrew and Greek. Uh, a couple others, the NIV, the CSB, these are all good translations. And if I didn't name yours, this is like the Jerry Rice thing. Don't get upset. Listen, if you're reading a translation and you love it, keep reading it. All of it is God's word, and all of it has been changing lives um, for a long time. So I, I'm not here to beat up on any translation. I'm just saying if you're reading one and you don't get anything out of it, try a translation that you can understand. And try the New Living, try the NIV, try the CSB. And then if you've never read the Bible, try a study Bible. Try um, a study Bible because a study Bible will give you an introduction to the book and it'll tell you who wrote it and, and who they were writing it to and what was going on in the world at that time and why this was written. And, and at the bottom of each page, it'll give you notes about difficult things to understand. And so if you go, I don't get that, there'll be like a note at the bottom that'll explain it a little further in that study Bible. And there'll be on the margins references where when you read a verse and you're, you're like, hey, I wonder what that connects with. You can look in the margins and there'll, there'll be places where it'll point to. And it says this verse connects to another verse in the Bible. And, and it'll just help you as you read and as you grow. And um, if you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, you need to get the YouVersion Bible app. First of all, it's free. And if you don't like to read... You, if you're sitting there going, well, this is all good and well, but is there a movie? You know, um, can I, 
you know, can, can I watch this? You know, like, I mean, like, is there a Gospel of John movie? There actually is a Gospel of John movie, by the way. Um, and it's word for word from the Gospel of John. Uh, but um, the other thing you can do is you can listen to Scripture. So the Version Bible app, you could just pull up what you want to read and then hit play. Jesus heals a lame man. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem. And it'll read to you while you drive to work or to wherever you have to go. And so for those of you who aren't readers, there's still no reason we can't put God's word into our heart and into our lives. Um, and so read, read the Bible, listen to the Bible, uh, read, read a translation you can understand. I don't want anybody to leave here today without a Bible, all right? So I want to encourage you, in your, in your notes that I gave you, there's a lot of recommended Bibles you can get from Amazon, um, good Bibles that I would just say, hey, th these would be good, good study Bibles that I would recommend. Uh, but if you're just saying, like, you know, I don't want to wait for the two-day shipping, um, and, or, you know, I, I need one today, version is free, you can download it right now on your phone. Uh, if you also, you want to see a Bible, touch a Bible, feel a Bible before you buy it, and you want to check the font size and, you know, how the pages turn and all that, stop by our resource center before you leave. Uh, we have lots of Bibles, um, many of the ones I recommended we have in our resource center, and you're, you're welcome to either check it out before you go buy it on Amazon, or you're welcome to buy one, and we'll pass it on at the price that we got it. You know, we're not making profit on this, we're just saying, hey, we want to put Bibles in your hands. And if you're here, and you don't have any money, and you're thinking, I need a Bible, we'll give you a free Bible. We've got several that we would happily put in your hands, because I don't want anybody today to leave without a Bible that you can understand and begin reading and putting into your life. So read, read a translation you understand. A study Bible is good if you've never read. One word of disclaimer, and then I'll give you the last two things really quickly. Uh, it's possible that you could get into reading the Bible and studying the Bible, especially if you get a study Bible and you're like, oh man, and there's this good stuff and it cross-references to that and... And, and you just start getting into it, and you start getting smarter, and you start getting smarter, and you start getting smarter, and, and then you start feeling pretty good that you're smart, and you have a lot of answers, and it's, it's possible that you could get distracted from the point, and you could start to study the scripture so that you could be scripturally smart instead of studying the scriptures so that you could change and train in godliness and become more like Jesus. Jesus said this to the Pharisees. In John chapter 5, verse 39, he said, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. In other words, Jesus was saying, You've been studying the scriptures all this time, and you've missed the author and perfecter of life that's right here. And I just want to say, even as you read in scripture, the point of scripture is to point us to Jesus and to point us to training in godliness. It's not just to become more biblically smart. And I, I find sometimes in church we have people that I just need more Bible studies and more Bible studies and more Bible studies. And I want to go, but you don't look like you're growing more like Jesus at all. Um, and so I, it's possible that you could, give, you could dive into a lot of knowledge and not be formed into the image of Christ. And so don't miss the point of this. It's not just to read and learn the Bible. It's to become more like Jesus as we read it. And so... Um, Last, uh, the second one is this. What does this say about God? And just as you're reading in the Gospel of John in particular, as you read through this, the question that I want you to ask is, what does this teach me about who God is? If Jesus is God in flesh, if Jesus is the image of God, 
what can I learn about God? And as, I'm, as you're reading through John, just especially just ask, what, what does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about God's character? What is this? If the Bible is God's autobiography, and if Jesus himself is God's autobiography, what can we learn about God from Jesus as we read through John together? And the tool that I would just encourage you to write down um, is a pen, right? A pen. I, I think a lot of people say, you know, I can't write in my Bible. If I write in my Bible, you know, that's the holy book. I'll get smoked. Whatever getting smoked means. You know, I don't want to get smoked, so I can't write in the Bible. No, listen, write in the Bible. Um, and, you know, highlight in the Bible. It's, it's okay to, to mark in there and write in there. And if you have questions, write it in the margins. And, it, you know, it's okay to do that because as you use God's word, as you write in it, as you highlight it, uh, that God's going to be able to teach you more about himself and, and more about what you need to know. And uh, there's an old saying that says this, uh, people with tattered Bibles seldom have shattered lives. People with tattered Bibles seldom have shattered lives. You show me a Bible that's neat and perfect and clean and stays on the bookshelf perfectly dusted, and I'll show you somebody who's not getting any help from it. Um, God wants us to use his word, to familiarize, to write in it, to, to be comfortable with it. And then finally, um, write, write this down. The last question is, what should I do? What, what should I do? It's great to say, God, what are you trying to say in this? It's important to say, God, what are you trying to say? It's important to say, what does this teach me about God as I'm reading in Scripture? But ultimately, if we don't, if we don't ask this question and then we don't do something about this question, what's the point? Because we've got to do the things that God is calling us to do. And, and the tool that I would ask you to write down for this one is just a partner. A partner. Um, if you try to do this on your own, there's nothing wrong with, in fact, we should read scripture on our own. But if you try to just read scripture on your own and then not uh, actually have other people in your life to, to say, well, I, I, I was reading this and I had this question. I was reading this and I didn't understand this. Or I was reading this and I had this challenge. What will happen is, is you'll, you'll move in some funky ways. I, um, it, if you show me somebody who's reading the Bible on their own, completely isolated from the body of Christ, I'll show you somebody who has gotten some really weird ideas and really uh, that don't align uh, with, with the truth of God's word as a whole. They'll just kind of read one line and they'll be like, oh, you know, and they'll start building a whole theology around that one line, not knowing uh, the breadth of scripture. And, and so when we have a partner, it helps us. Uh, it helps us be accountable. It helps us have people in our life that can help form and shape God's word in our life. Um, and again, if you think about the gym, this is what happens in gyms. In January, everybody signs up for the gym. And if they hire a trainer, statistics say that they'll stay in the gym two to three months if they hire a trainer. Um, but if they go to the gym and they have a workout partner that they're going to work out with, they're going to last a lot longer because that workout partner is going to meet them there so they'll stay motivated. They'll, they'll have somebody to help encourage them along the way. And so I would just encourage you, whether it's a connect group, whether it's a family member that's further down the road spiritually than you, whether it's uh, uh, somebody that's maybe an accountability partner, a friend, we need people to be spiritual partners in our lives as we read in this. Um, here's... One last passage, Joshua 1.8 says this, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night 
so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. It's only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I just want to encourage you as you think about that passage that prospering and succeeding doesn't mean have a bunch of money and succeed in everything that you know, the world would say you'll succeed in. It, it's specifically in prospering and succeeding in your life mission that God has given you in light of God's word. And, and if you want to prosper, if, if you want to say, okay, I know God has given me a life mission, and now I'm going to train to accomplish that life mission. If God's word isn't a part of that, you're never going to prosper and succeed in the mission that God has given you. But if you will base your life on this book, if you'll read it every day, if you'll commit to it, you will prosper and you will succeed in the things that God has called you to do. Let me pray for us and with us. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your work here in our church and our lives. Thank you for this 21 days of prayer and fasting where you have taught us things about ourselves, where you have revealed to us areas that need to be shaped and and worked on and molded, where, where you have allowed us to disconnect from some things in the world and connect to your heart and connect to the spiritual things in a greater way. Lord, I'm grateful that, that we as a church could corporately do that. And I'm grateful for what you're already doing here in our church, in, in families and in lives and in our church as a whole because of this time of, of committed prayer and fasting. And Lord, even as we step into a new 21 days of, of just kind of committing to reading your word every day, I, I pray that there would be new and fresh spiritual knowledge that you would teach us new things about yourself and about what you're calling us to do, that, that we would be obedient and we would be quick to say yes to whatever it is you call us to. And God, whether we have been walking with you for a long, long time or whether we're even just exploring whether we want to begin walking with you, I pray that as we read in John together, you would help us all take some spiritual steps closer to you. God, we just recognize that we're not going to drift into spiritual health. We're not going to drift into all the things that we want for our lives and for our families. So I pray that you would help us to be willing to do the training so that you can make us into who it is you've called us to be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand. sing that song on the first service. I like that song a lot. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to make all the difference in our lives, but we've got to create space for Jesus to work. Paul would say to us that we need to train for godliness. I was reminded, I'll tell you this quick story and then I'll let you go. I was reminded of a very important lesson this week. Me and my two oldest sons were going to go working out uh, to the gym one morning. And we decided, you know what, let's do that in the afternoon, after work and after school. And when I got home from work, you know what happened, right? I did not want to go to the gym. And we didn't. And I was reminded if we're going to go to the gym, it better happen in the morning. Because if it doesn't happen in the morning, it ain't going to happen. And I'm just saying as you go from here, as you take this challenge to read God's word, just consider 
do it in the morning. Do it first thing. Just read one chapter before you get your day going because if you wait until later, it might not happen. Go in his peace. May Jesus fill you and empower you to be the people he's called you to be. You're dismissed.